Hello, my fantastic factions of followers, fans, and freaks of fun Fanacom festivities. I am Ziploc Bob, one of the two hosts of Sequel Syndrome Podcast, a talk show about video games and their culture, design, and psychology. And now, I'm going to welcome back and pass you over to our Master of Ceremonies, our Commandant commer- Commemoration, and other things that I'm probably going to screw up saying. The Zez! Hello. <laughs> I'm back. I wasn't here last week. Um, today we are joined by Rad Hazard 1 to talk about why Sega quit making video game consoles. How you doing, Hi, Rad? Uh, what have you been playing lately, Rad? Um, lately I've been been stuck on Battlefield 1. You know, it's uh, for me, it's one of those games that it's rage-inducing, yet you can't put it down. <laughs> oh yeah, speaking of which... Fuck you, dude! <laughs> <laughs> what? For that game you gave me. That's not a bullet hell, it's a bullet <laughs> hell and a fighting game all in one. <laughs> I was like, where is that directed? <laughs> like, ser- like, Zez gave me a game from his Huntable bundle. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to like this. It seems more like a VU game. And I'm like, it's not even a me game. I can't even figure out the fucking controls. <laughs> Uh, I forget what it was called. What was it called? Listen, I'm going to, like, I'm trying to treat that game like a bad hangover and just sleeping it off, okay? Is that all you've been up to, Red? Is just Battlefield? Pretty much. As much yeah. as I tell myself, play other stuff, <laughs> I keep playing that. Although, a little while back, I did play a um, Super Zelda 64 that Ziploc Bob told me about. Oh, yeah, to where it's Ocarina of Time, but you're playing as Mario, and they they piecemealed the games together somehow, and it was interesting. Yes, it's a Super Mario 64 with the Ocarina of Time maps. Very weird. Yeah. Sounds interesting. It's like, I, I don't get, when I find ROM hacks, I don't just find any ROM hacks. I find ROM hacks that make you go, how did they make this? Like, how? <laughs> like, I found what a... Uh, you? It's like, I found a ROM hack for Mario 64 to where it's a complete 100 and... I think it's a 110 star journey for this particular ROM hack. It's own levels, all that good stuff. Even has, on like, one of the first levels. Uh, you guys remember... Um, and Yoshi's Island, the level touch fuzzy, get dizzy. Yep. Yeah, there's a 3D version of that, and the, there's a level where it's just that in 3D. Yeah, there's there's a ROM hack I played that had that too. Uh, but, I played several Mario 64 ROM hacks. They're fun. But this is the part that gets me about this ROM hack, and I'm I cannot remember what it's called. It's one of the few ROM hacks to where it's made made to be played in widescreen. Like, through the it, emulator. That makes sense. That, that makes sense, though. Like, you know, they they added that functionality to where it plays in widescreen and, like, n- everything's not just pixel stretched or anything. Because if you did the exact same settings on any other game, it would just be pixel right, stretched. Be, right. But it's actually made to work that way. There's a widescreen version and a standard version. Um, They fixed the camera to where it doesn't get hung up on everything. They brought back the frog suit which makes me 
smile. <laughs> Getting froggy. Hey, I love Mario <laughs> Three. That frog suit was awesome when it when it was a water level. Yes. There's remember there was actually a special message if you beat one of the Koopa one of the Koopa kids wearing the frog suit. <laughs> Which is surprisingly hard to do because, like, there's this weird delay with movement, but not with jumping. Like, if you tried to walk left and right, it'd just be hop, 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 hop. But if you just just jumped everywhere, you're good. But you. What, what was precise. the message? Honestly, I don't remember. In my entire life, I've only seen that message like twice, and none of them were because I did it. <laughs> yeah, it was probably because we were watching Did You Know Gaming or something like that. Uh, what else? What else have I been playing, or have I been trying to get Rad to play? Because don't get me wrong, Rad, watching your streams, you're like Bob Ross with a machine gun. What happy little bullets? <laughs> we're just gonna put a happy little machine gun here, and it's uh, it's gonna, gonna be pretty. We're gonna put a. Claymore mine here. It's like, oh no, I didn't mean to put it there. Well, don't worry. Someone's about to have a happy little accident. <laughs> <laughs> Rad ASMR gaming streams? Uh, oh god, that would be an awesome series. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? Bob Ross, Bob Ross plays Call of Duty. He'd have to be in the Air Force. Just to be true to life. That's something a lot of people don't know. Well, Bob Ross was in the Air Force? Yeah. But everybody claims Mr. Rogers was just like in the military. No, he wasn't. He has no military surface jacket. Trust me, I looked. Uh, I remember I remember hearing that myth that, oh, Mr. Rogers wears all his sweaters because he's got like like two, two tat sleeves going on. <laughs> Nope, he wore him because his mother made him to, for him, and he was that type of guy. The only one he never wore on screen is the one that's in, in the Smithsonian because it's bright red, and the camera technology at the time didn't like that bright of a red. Yeah, I, I, I completely understand that. But, Zez, what have you been playing? Um, I've been playing more NHL 18, still chasing my first Stanley Cup. Not not going too well. Um, I've also been playing. They are billions or more. I try. I, I was yesterday. Um, Path of Exile dropped. Um, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Either yesterday or Thursday. They dropped their new season called Incursion. I know you were talking about that with me yesterday. I don't or... know if it dropped yesterday or dropped Thursday, but. Um... Uh, but yeah, I think it, I think it was Thursday. Thursday. So so no yeah, more they, Pokemon. I don't know. I don't know if that's still in there or not. I assume that it's it's in the standard mode, but I don't know. Oh um, no! In the standard mode, it wasn't in there at all. So like you'd have to because it's its own little quest tier. No, what I mean is I think that they might have when they patched it, it. Right, they might have added it to the standard mode, um, and the incursion with uh, what's her name that that does time travel now um because uh -huh. you, you meet this npc who's supposed to send you to this castle or mm -hmm. whatever whatever time travel things haven't played it but i want to um get into that um so i did i did open path of exile at least i played some soma last night um psychotic robots on the bottom of the sea 
bottom of the ocean. <laughs> um, that's from the makers of Amnesia. So it's Amnesia meets the Little Mermaid. It's a nightmare. No, no, it's uh, Amnesia meets Bioshock. Lovely. <laughs> I've also been. Um, I was also playing Dead by Daylight. I was also streaming Dead by Daylight yesterday. Yeah, and I made the snide comment as like, "What are you playing? I want to be Joker." And it was like this, you know, a very bog standard festival clown sort of right. little dude. But it's just right, like, so... but it was like, you guys have been to a carnival, right? Yeah. Like, you yeah. ever seen some of the carnies just like on a smoke break? Mm-hmm. How they look ten times creepier <laughs> in that environment. <laughs> Yeah, you're just sitting there with that. What the fuck am I doing with my life? Look on their face. That's exactly what this that clown looks like to me. Yeah, he's actually got a tragic backstory if you if you read into it. All Um, of them do. Yeah, well, somewhat. The nurse is kind of um, twisted. Not not a sad backstory. She's just kind of twisted. Um, So they dropped a. New build on their PTB, the new their public test server. They call it the public test build, um, which has the new content for their second anniversary, uh-huh. which is going to have this DLC curtain call. It's going to have a new store, all this stuff. Um, so, I was streaming this yesterday before you came in, Bob. Um, before you came in, I got into a match ahead and. After the match, survivors got really salty at me and came into my chat and got instabanned in my chat four times. Wow. They made accounts just to come in my chat and harass me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you can keep coming back, keep giving me the views and whatnot. I'll take them and I'll just ban you. <laughs> um, Z, who you had on last week, was also my help me helping me mod that yesterday. Once he figured out what was going on, he was helping me with that. Because it was, it was one person came back four times, and then their friends tried to come in as well. They oh. also, they also tr- stream sniped me and tried to stream snipe getting my same match. And then when I killed them, DC'd. <laughs> Yesterday was fun. <laughs> yeah, they were dicks. <laughs> I'm like, like, listen, if you found a tactic that is kicking my ass that's one thing it you know i think it's incumbent upon me to figure out a way around it (laughs) yeah but it's exactly but it's not it's not fair play at all for me to go into your stream and start fucking with you because that's like going one step weight over the line in my opinion Mm -hmm. and it's a pretty fucking big step when you start attacking the person yeah, I, I was not tolerating it, so, you know, insta-bans. So, you know, Twitch streamers who have a problem with banning, don't worry about it. <laughs> I was going to unban them, but I know that they one of them, one or two of them are Twitch streamers. So after my stream, I went and watched, I hung out on their stream, like, there's no way I'm going to ban these people because I've already seen how toxic they were. Mm-hmm. To you know? like, and the thing is, is if somebody's like, if somebody's willing to just go, oh, this person put, like, kicked my ass and it, it's totally because they were cheating and blah 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 it's like yeah I'm sorry I don't want you as part of my fucking community right so I'll see where you're coming from on that 
Yeah, that, but, was just something that, that was just the thing that I happened to me that I wanted to share. <laughs> speaking of community, let's talk about our wonderful sponsors, not sponsors, because we're not actually getting paid to say this shit. For our first unofficial sponsor, Gatherbot! Yay! It's the bot that I use. It's basically how we fund this entire operation. You have free tips, sub-gifting, which will happen later on during this show. You know, little bot games, and you can actually earn, like, IRL rewards through it, such as, um, uh, what is it? Steam gift cards and that sort of thing. It's rare, but it happens. We also have um, Twitch Prime. So we would like to thank all of our subs um, who may or may not be using Twitch Prime, but we would like to send a reminder if you do have Twitch Prime. It's a free sub. Mine is just mine just came active this morning, I believe. So I need to use that. Um, you can use it. It's a free sub. It doesn't hurt you. It's a you know it's. If you don't use it, it's kind of a waste of five dollars, <laughs> or however, you, whatever value you want to put to it, because it's a five dollar value sub. Yeah, well, there's was it? It's a hundred bucks a year. It's a hundred and ten now, I think, for Twitch Prime because they Amazon Prime because they up the um they up the price of it. Okay. Recently, uh, yeah, it raised to one nineteen. Okay. So Amazon Prime is now base price of one nineteen a year. That's basically ten bucks a month. Right. Okay. So it's like that's half your value right there that you're kind of missing out on because that's a free five dollar sub. Also makes it to where you can watch stuff like this ad free when it's being recorded. Um. Lastly, is our charity of the month stackup dot org, which honestly, to put it very simply. It is an organization where they take veterans and civilian supporters to help veterans and active duty military through their stack supply crates air assaults and stack up overwatch programs or stop program for short. Zez, can you tell us about the supply crates? Supply crates are packages full of geeky and techy goodness sent to deploy service members to help take their minds off of what they're dealing with. Um, some, I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, this is similar to like a loot crate. Yeah. It, it's a little bit like a loot crate plus actual gaming gear. So one of the things right. that they've sent before was um, a couple of PS4s, all the hookups and all that good stuff, and, t- and I think even TVs, some gaming mags because internet might not be a thing over there and some actual games to play that are multiplayer centric to where as many people can play at the same time as possible. Right. Um, also they have air assaults, which are where they pick deserving veterans and pay for them that they basically pay for their airfare and lodging for to attend stuff like comic con E3 packs and even dev studio tours. But that wraps up all of our sponsors slash our charity of the month. So, Rad, why did Sega quit making consoles for the uninitiated? Wow, Bob, thank you for asking. I had no idea what we were covering today, but it's okay. I have all my notes. So, you don't have a note. You have a bibli- bibliography, dude. <laughs> 
So to understand why why Sega doesn't make consoles anymore, you, you know, most people think, oh, it's because the Dreamcast did terribly that they don't make consoles. Well, yes, yes and, and no. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Dreamcast's problem is that it ran to the PS2, but that was kind of like the last nail in the coffin. Yeah. Exactly. There were many more nails before Sega Dreamcast was even a thought. Should we so, start with the first nail, which was the Sega CD? <laughs> sure. We'll 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 go ahead and start with that. So let, let's everybody hop in your time machine and go back to 1991. Um, Sega Genesis is out. Super Nintendo is out. It's you know we're in full swing of the console wars of the mid 90s, which honestly was a great time for gamers. So Sega wanted to, you know, try to try one up uh, Nintendo. Nintendo. There were rumors of Nintendo trying to come up with a with a disc drive that attached the to Super Nintendo. That yeah, became that, PlayStation, but that's that uh, that oh. turned into the PlayStation and the oh god, I actually owned that piece of crap. I cannot remember what it's called. Um. Are you trying to think of the 3DO? No, not the 3DO. The 3DO wasn't sponsored by Nintendo. It's the one with Hotel Mario, the horrible uh, Zelda games that are on every YouTube uh, poop. Philips CDI. Yeah, yeah the Philips CDI. CDI. But yeah, that was actually where they went with that. And that was not good. <laughs> no, it was not. CD, CD-based CD games in the early 90s, very, very hit or miss, usually miss. Uh, so, anyways, the Sega CD. Uh, Sega came out with theirs in October of '92. You know, it was it was designed to be be added onto the Genesis console. So, like you, it's like you put the, the Sega CD unit down, you put the Genesis console on top of it, and you have to plug them both in. Right. You know, each each needed their own plug. And honestly, a Sega CD was pretty expensive. It was not cheap. Uh, even in those days, yeah, it was like now the, it was close three, to four hundred. Yeah, three seventy. Yeah, um, it's three hundred three hundred seventy dollars, which is which is a lot of money nowadays. So imagine how it was over twenty five years ago. Yeah, and eventually, even JVC made a little hybrid console towards the Sega CD. Even though the Sega CD had to be hooked up to the well, the um, the, uh, the JVC one it was a two and one. Yeah, it was a two yeah. and one. It was both of them together, so it was a hybrid. But they eventually did make a compact version of Sega CD that Sega itself made. JVC made their own version, which was an oddity in itself. Well, and Sega thing... undercut that for whatever reason. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a lot of undercutting happening in this episode when we're talking about Sega's history here, and that shit adds up. Yes, it does. <laughs> but for, for all the benefits that was that was advertised for Sega CD, honestly, the benefits weren't really there. Yeah, this was the thing of we could do full motion video in our video games, but it's not that good. It's really, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you want to watch movies, that's what that's what the VCR is for. It can be even really the, good right now. And even the idea of okay, it's a CD; it can hold more data, right? That means more levels. Because of the unique uh, properties of CD technology at the time, programmers weren't used to the uh, 
weren't savvy enough to use all the processing power that the Sega CD added quite yet to where there weren't that many good games for the Sega CD. I think one of the few that stood the test of time was Sonic CD. Yeah, Sonic yeah. CD. I actually have it on Steam. So do I, and it's awesome. But beyond that, meh. Well, like, the few games that Sega CD really pioneered was uh, the Lunar series, if anybody ever heard of that, and uh, Panzer Dragoon. Yeah, Panzer Panzer Dragoon, a lot of people's had a lot of... That's a cult following game. Like, the people who that know of it and actually played it back in the day, if you mentioned it, they're like, oh, yeah, man, that's... Like, you'll see them do the way back machine in their head. I, th- I think Shenmue's kind of like that, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I've never actually played Shenmue, and I'm still technically a fanboy, because I'm like, I want to play it. I don't think it's your kind of game, though, Bob, to be honest. <laughs> no, it's not my Shenmue. type of game to stream. Shenmue's it's my over. type of game to play and, like, okay, I'm going to go play Ridge Racer now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the mini games are great. Shenmue is a very um, it's a very specific demographic, I think. Yeah, you know, it's it's not a franchise that's for everybody. A lot of people get bored with it. Oh yeah, but it did like a lot of the things that GTA Three mm-hmm. got you know really popular for. Shenmue did it first, you know. Yeah, because of the open world, the the daily timed routines, like having being able to follow somebody as they go on their daily routine each different day. You know, you know, Monday at seven PM, they're gonna go to the flower shop. Yeah, Eight and they're gonna get the haircut. You know, they're gonna go home at nine. It was based off the eighties, wasn't it? Like a certain yeah, it was set. It was set in eighty seven. It was set in eighty and eighty six, early eighty seven. Game uh, Shimu two starts on my birthday. And if I remember right, in Shimu one, there is a mode where it doesn't affect it doesn't affect anything gameplay wise, but you can have it simulate the weather patterns. For the district that it's set in, yeah, uh, based upon the time period, which is a nice little touch. I, I'm excited about Shenmue Three, because you can't tell. <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to happen. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> to me, it's always been a bit of an anachronism. Trial, like I, I want to find out what it's all about because I never, did you I kind of miss that ship because I didn't own a Dreamcast when my friends did, and all they owned was uh, like you know games that were kid-friendly, and that was it, really. So, Sega 32X. I remember this mushroom. The mushroom? I didn't remember anything of the Sega CD, but I did remember the 32X because it was this mushroom that plugged into the top of the uh, uh, top the, of the Master Genesis. System. Or the or Master System, yeah. And basically, how you had to put in these two metal pieces to work as an RF shield. And if you had a certain model of Genesis, because there were three Genesis models, you had to put in this adapter plate, then put in the thing to where it wouldn't wiggle around. And it was basically a semi-permanent upgrade. It required required an, an additional... A power cord because you had to loop the AV from the Genesis to, to the, the 32 and from the 32 to your TV 
and what was really crazy is you had all this crap and Sega was like, yeah, this is how we're going to solve the solution that we obviously could have engineered our way out of. What we're going to do is start selling Sega branded power strips. <laughs> I shit you not, that was a thing. But oh, I they, believe it. And I think there was like three or four, maybe. Uh, no, there's three games that launched for the 32X. There was Doom, a racing game, and like a Formula One racing game and some other game. The Formula One game was actually the best of the three because it was almost well, arcade perfect. Well, I was, I'm assuming it was probably the of the F1 series. Yeah. Which went on for a while. I don't know. I, they may still do it. I don't know. It was a crap Doom port with crappier sound and was actually missing levels. And it was also, it, it was also windowed. Oh yeah, his window wow. as well. Yeah, I, I um, wonder. What, it was I, I rushed wonder, in development. I wonder with Sega's early consoles was that like the real start of the um, the, the the current trend you have with the the Sony and Microsoft trying to ex- extend the life of their consoles with the uh, Pro and the One X. I wonder if Sega was the one that started that. With the 32X... The... I don't think they're the per- first people who had the idea, but they're the first people who try to implement it. Because even before then, Nintendo was looking into it with a CD add-on. Okay. And even with the 32X, there was a couple of games that, were, uh, that weren't... that were 32X games weren't CD games. There were 32X CD games where you had to have the cartridge in and the CD in at the same time to get it to run. So stupid. <laughs> it was. So that means so, that game was for a very niche market. So basically, I mean, you had the 32X and a Sega CD gangbanging your poor master system. I, I, can, I can imagine um, going back then, and if the games were good, that that's kind of like, oh my god, I can't believe they could do some of the, you know, the things that they can do. You know, at the same able, you time. Know, yeah. But, you know... The 32X was seen by consumers and critics as a stopgap once they announced the Saturn, and it fragmented the market, and it was just a bad idea. Like, even though it was originally priced at 60 bucks, towards the end of the life, life cycle, you could buy it for 20 because they were on clearance. Exactly. And, you know, you, you brought up the Saturn. Well, 32X was announced after the Sega Saturn. So, you know, you announced your next generation console, but then Before you your announced, oh, oh yeah, we have a, we have a sort of previous generation console too. That that's but, like um that's less like Nintendo gang. Yeah, we're having the switches coming out. Oh, we're gonna release the Wii U too. No, it's not even that. Exactly. It's like, the switch is coming out. Oh yeah, and by the way, we're gonna we're also announcing this great new add-on to the Wii U that we're also supporting. Why the Wii U's been dead for a couple years, dude. Yeah, yeah, so it, it was just, you know, so why would you compete with yourself? You're cannibalizing sales from yourself. I did do some research, and there's, and it's interesting what happened here. Um, Sega was originally an American co- company started by a couple of Americans in Japan. Okay, did not know that. It, yeah, there was there were a couple of military guys. I was like, hey, we're what they did is they started the company in Japan and used their connections to like 
import like um I'm assuming they were stationed overseas. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of the like the machines with the balls. Pachinko machines. <laughs> like Yeah, Pachinko. Yeah, they'd start off with like a little arcade and pachinko machines. They're originally like, hey, we make stuff for arcades, right? And that's how they got some of the stuff over here in the US. So Sega of America, the pre- the new president was like, listen, the master system is having its second run. We don't need to make another 32 bits, or we don't need to make a 32-bit system here because at the time, people was like, the buzzword was bits. It wasn't microtransactions. It wasn't DLC. It wasn't it, gaming it, as it a service. It wasn't it, it, live service. It wasn't cheering. It wasn't cheering because of watching ads. Yeah, it was, <laughs> you know, eight bits, like uh, the like with the Jaguar is like, this has, this has the Super Nintendo has sixteen bits, the PlayStation has thirty two bits, the Jaguar has sixty four bits. Do the math. <laughs> exactly, because everybody wanted the latest and greatest. Yeah. But they didn't realize that, wait, maybe if it might be the great, latest and greatest hardware-wise, but if we can't program good software for it, hardware is worthless. So, but... that being said, what happened here was, what? why does the 32X, did the 32X and Saturn, like, why did that debacle even happen? The, American, the Americans decided to make the 32X, while Japan in secret made the Saturn right and they announced the 32X right when the, the Saturn got announced by uh, Sega of Japan at the same CES it was a shit show on top of that uh, the 32X there was never a there was a demo for a Sega game for it never happened The closest you got on, I think, the Saturn was Sonic Chaot or Knuckles Chaotix. Yeah, that was the closest you got to an actual Sonic game for the Saturn. There was um, Sonic Extreme, I think it was called. There was like a demo for Sega Saturn for an actual Sonic game, but it was never finished. Yeah, that that was the one. Okay, yeah, there was a demo for it, but you never actually got a Sonic game out of it. Oh, speaking of, like, you know, that ad I mentioned, like, that E3, because this was, like, one of the first E3s out there, um, that was like, yeah, we're, we're scheduling the launch for November, oh, wait, no, 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 we're, we're releasing it early to beat PlayStation, Told it at E3, did not tell their retailers. Their retailers had no time to do anything, so the retailers were pissed to the point where KB Toys, which was the biggest, had the biggest market share in like toy sales at the time, boycotted yeah. them completely for it. Yeah, yeah. KB Toys at one point was bigger than uh, Toys R Us. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's great, great business sense. We're gonna alienate the largest, you know, toy retailer. Just because we wanted to get the system out early. Good job, Sega. Yeah, let's get our system out and not tell Amazon. Exactly. Yeah, you have you have contracts with Amazon and and okay, Amazon and Walmart. You have contracts with them. Okay, we're gonna bring out this console on September the first of this year. 
But we're going to announce, unbeknownst to Amazon, that, hey, Walmart has them right now, June the 1st. What do you think Amazon's going to do? Uh, the same thing they did with Google Chrome just because they didn't want to compete with Google Chrome or Google Chrome sticks. They just quit selling them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, now, the thing is, is that wasn't the only bad thing that happened with the Sega Saturn. There's a lot that happened here. So, you know, the president of Sony goes up and was like, okay, it's our turn. Well, they've already said everything that we, you know, that our PlayStation has and said how their stuff's better. It's like, two ninety nine, walks off. <laughs> and yes, this is on video. There is video of this. He just walks up, looks at his business cards, tosses them to the side. Two ninety nine, walks off. And then well, just walks off stage. And that well, was their I mean, entire, that, their that, entire that press is, conference for that. That is that is a, that is a funny thing to do though. Cause that they, has been their it, thing. This is just the first it, instance that they did it. Well, so well, Sony's weird. Um, like if you talk about the kind of current gen situation, if you remember the PS3 came out and it was six ninety nine, I believe. Mm-hmm. PS3 was six hundred dollars at launch. It was like six hundred. Okay, five ninety nine. Um, and the three sixty was what four hundred. Mm-hmm. I I believe so. Yes. So. Um, and then you flip it around and the PS4 and Xbox One are coming out. The Xbox One launches at 500 And they undercut them by 100 bucks. Right, exactly. And it was like, you know, you, you know, um, and I forget how, I think it was, I think it was Sean Light, and I forget how he, how he did it, but it was that same kind of um, display of we're just going to stick it to our competitors. Remember the Kevin Butler commercials? Yeah. Yep, I remember him. Oh, God. Uh, first off, I'm sad, sad that entire situation, and that could almost be a podcast in its own of just talking about video game commercials. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, the high-up companies like Nintendo, Sony, and just limit it to them and not the actual games themselves. But, yeah, they even had a big hoopla when, like, the P- PS3 dropped in price. To where it's like, the guy had this huge commercial to where it's like, to where it's like, he was saying, no, we, we're we not doing that. You can't just read, the, believe whatever you read on the internet. Meanwhile, there's all this merchandising stuff that's obviously being shipped out saying that the price was being lowered in the background. So, yeah, Sony undercutting the competition, this was one of their first uh, things. They did. That really, that really hurt the Saturn because, to be honest, I didn't even know the Saturn existed until I looked at it in a retrospective sense. Like, you know, hey, what happened with this? Because uh, I knew about the 32X, I did not know about the Sega CD, right? And I didn't know about the Saturn. I'm like, so I'm like, oh man, Sega's not making consoles anymore. What happened? And I found out about the Saturn afterwards. So a lot of this is just me looking at it from a historical point of view than a gamer. But, like, apparently there wasn't that many games released for the thing. Or at least not in a timely manner. No, they they only supported the Saturn for three years. Yeah, because Dreamcast is coming. 
So yeah. all our de- all people developing games for this Saturn, well, we're developing for Dreamcast now. But what about all the money we put in developing for the Saturn? Well, too bad. We're, we're on Dreamcast now. So that means you just threw away all that money. You may as well have, have tossed it in the shredder. Same benefit. Apparently working for Sega is that same benefit. I mean, I, I think that their, I think in their approach was, was kind of like, you know, you put, you put consoles out more, you can get more, you can get large chunks of money from people quicker. Cause I think is what their, what their thought process was, was behind that. Which is completely backwards because if you look at the, how most companies make money, like how does Microsoft make money off the Xbox? They don't sell that many consoles. No, but they sell games, right? Mm-hmm. Or games for and the games consoles required, and required it's licensing first. rights. Like for every copy of a game that they have nothing to do with other than it's, let's say, uh, Grand Theft Auto V, right? Every th- copy of Grand Theft Auto V for the Xbox One that is sold, Microsoft gets a cut. Right. It's a licensing deal. Similar to, like, um, it, uh, with, like um, with the whole PUBG Fortnite thing going on right now, I'm sure that... Um, PUBG has to pay Epic to use Unreal Engine. Yeah, either they did had it up front in the license or they had a percentage. Yeah, yeah. Out, of, out of the royalties, yeah. Or a combination. Yeah, you pay like a nominal fee up front along with a percentage of, uh, of royalties. Yeah, I mean, well, because for indie developers, Unreal Engine is free-ish until you sell a certain amount. Um, ADR Jocko did bring up uh, something important when it comes to like selling consoles. Sony actually did, I think for three or four years, they were selling PS3s at a loss to where they'd make up money on, well, Blu-ray discs as what, so when the format wars and two, so they, they knew they'd be able to make their money back on, uh, the licensing between Blu-ray discs in general, as yeah, well. having having a built-in Blu-ray player as opposed to the 360, and Microsoft having the external uh, HD DVD drive. Yeah, exactly. When PS3 first launched, as we covered earlier, that was about six hundred dollars. Actual value for Sony to break even would have been one thousand dollars a console. Because of but the Blu-ray clearly, player. Yeah, but clearly that's. A lot, a lot of people are not going to buy it if it's priced that high. Right. Yeah, just ask even 3DO. Even $600, $600 is kind of pushing it. Uh. So, yeah, it's, that, that, that's kind of... That's the new business model. That's why consoles are so cheap, well, relatively speaking, when they first come out. Even though you know it's worth more than that. And, and it's going to drop. And it's going to drop in the near in the near future anyway. So, exactly because of uh, economies of scale. Okay, ADR Jocko did bring up another point, and this is something I've always wanted to say on the podcast. <laughs> yes, yeah, Sony did use the Beta Max versus VHS format because of porn. But here's something that that all investors need to learn: if you want to know who's going to win format wars. Follow gaming and porn. Yeah, no joke. Exactly, because they're they're most uh, 
they're the most in tune with recordings with recording things clearly mm-hmm. so whatever they gravitate to everything else is going to kind of follow, follow it well it's more of a a porn is it's like one of those things to where it, the industry is made to is like okay how can we record at the highest quality for the lowest cost if it's is that not like the, if the production like the costs are too high they're not going to go with say HD DVD. Is isn't porn like the most profitable um, industry in the world? As far as profits go, wouldn't surprise me, but I don't know for sure. I I would like to see the numbers on that. In other case, Um. (laughs) so so Zipla can actually say he needs porn for research purposes. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't I don't need to watch porn for research. I just need to see the numbers. You need it for the articles. <laughs> God damn it, I've actually said that before. <laughs> I'll read it for the articles. What, I was a loser I needed to figure out how to like schmooze my way around. Um, <laughs> yeah, Alright. I think Ziploc Bob it needs, it needs a body pillow. Are you kidding me? I, I'm overweight. <laughs> I am a body pillow. Uh, okay, enough dicking around. <laughs> Let's talk about the last great white hope, which was the Dreamcast. Cause, yeah. Okay. Oh my god. The homebrew scene still exists for this fucking thing. Yep. And it's yes, thriving. It does. Uh, last I heard, this is this is probably out of date at this point. Um, the la- the latest new game to come out for Dreamcast was about oh, 2015, somewhere around there. Some yeah. uh, some a uh, German studio like came out the game for it. Yeah, and there was a lot that killed um, the Dreamcast. And it was not just a PS2. Yeah, I mean it's. All it the was mischiefs easy they to pirate. Well, at first it wasn't, but then like after two years, like yeah, it was easy. Dreamcast used what's called a GD-ROM, which was supposed to be you know harder to copy and stuff like that. Because when it came out, not many people had access to uh, to uh, CD uh, read-write drives, you know, for, right. for burning discs. Yeah, they were, well, they were relatively new. Well, let me tell you exactly what happened wrong, and. I'll, I'll let you guys debate from there. Okay? So, you know those discs you used to get in magazines, right? You get, like, demos and stuff? There was a GameShark demo, right? And a particular European magazine that was very Sega-centric, right? And what it... What somebody found out that if you had a copy of a game like an illegal copy, it wouldn't work until you use that particular Dream Shark code. So everybody started circulating that son of a bitch around because they printed plenty of them. And the final version of Game Shark, it did not have that problem, but it was too little too late. And piracy became rampant because of it. Well, the reason why you mentioned the, the homebrew scene... Well, the homebrew scene is still active for Dreamcast because you don't need to solder any special chips or anything. You could literally 
download a game off the internet, burn it to disc, put it right in the console, and play it immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we've we figured out the special uh, pre-boot code now, so we don't even need that much. But, well, it was also the thing that you know, Dreamcast games you could also put them in your PC and access special features like a movie or images. Mm-hmm. That you can actually do that with. Uh, you can actually do that with uh, PlayStation games as well. Um, if I remember right, um, some games had like they didn't compress it to where your MP3 play play. Your if your CD player could read MP3s, the CD player could actually play those discs, play that music. You know, in early PlayStation games, because I know that was true with Castlevania Symphony of Night. But yeah, I, like I remember that one. But yeah, it was released in nine nine ninety nine Dreamcast Day. <laughs> Um, it did have a lot of firsts. Yes, yes, it did. Had the first one with you know the online gaming. Dreamcast was the first one to have a modem built in. Yep. Yes, it was dial-up. Yep. So that's all there was. But well, the, Star Ocean the, Online. One of the accessories you could get for it was a broadband modem. And the one I have has the broadband modem on it, which is pretty nice. Nice. Yeah, I know they have Star Ocean Online. I think there's even fan servers for the thing to keep it running now. Yeah, they had uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. That's considered the superior port of of the arcade game. Yeah, because it was arcade perfect. Or, or yeah, as close to arcade it, perfect. Um, going, yeah, back to, I, going back to Fantasy Star a little but, bit, um, wasn't that one of the games they ported over to Xbox? Fantasy Star Online? No. Yeah. I, I think they had a... Because it was Fantasy Star Online episode blah, episode blah. I think some of the later episodes went over to Xbox. But not I thought it original. went over... I thought it was went over and that's why it would still... Um, one of the reasons that the servers would still be active. But I, yeah, I could be wrong on that. No, I know that all servers that were Dreamcast-specific, like, they're completely... It, um, I think what Zez is referring to is a Fantasy Star Online Episode 1 and 2 that was eventually ported to a GameCube and Xbox, the yeah. OG Xbox. But, like, it wasn't like how you, Episode 1 and 2 used to be two separate discs, if that makes sense. Yep. Or it's more of a remaster. But as far as the servers, how it works is, like, the Dreamcast had a certain architecture, Right. So the reason the Dreamcast servers are still up are because they're fan servers. And trust me when I say, holy crap, these people are fervent in their dedication. Yeah, there's people there people actually still play Unreal Tournament on Dreamcast. Yep. But it's Unreal though, that's an awesome game. <laughs> Yeah, but so, video game companies take note. Give us the option for private servers. We will. It's like give us an option of private servers, even if you can't do much with them. Like even if it's a, I have to make a character just for that server. 
I'll be okay. But then again, they're also not making money off of it anymore, so why would it benefit them? But For I, consumer good consumer goodwill, I would say. But again, you like you said, you can't really quantify that. But also there's um what do you call it? Uh Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure Two, uh Power Stone. There was a lot of good games on that thing. Yeah. Like Sonic Adventure wasn't that great for the time or it was great for the time for about six months but it was like that first holy crap we can Sonic in 3D and it actually somewhat works (laughs) even though you know back then it's like yeah the voice acting sucked but back then we didn't mind we were just happy to have it yes we had voice acting Mm mhm if anything, I was just pissed it wasn't Jaleel White. <laughs> I'm serious. That was my only scruple with it back then. It's like, I wanted Jaleel yeah. White as Sonic. I still want that. That's who Sonic is, is in my head. Yes, I'm a 30-year-old man-child. Bite me. Well, there was, never, there was never any doubt about that, Ziploc. <laughs> Dreamcast also had Gauntlet, too. <sighs> yeah. Um, there, was a, like, there was a lot of arcade ports. Like, we were talking about Shinmu earlier, and that thing cost... Like, Shinmu 1 and 2, unfortunately, cost Sega more money than they put into it. Yeah. Shenmue 2 was the only game I've ever imported. Now, I do remember this. Sega Bass Fishing with that weird fucking controller. Yep. (laughs) And you had Seaman. Is that what it was called? Yeah, it was Seaman. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, like, fish with, like, a human face. face. It was weird. But you also Very, very Japanese. Well, I wouldn't say very Japanese. They had Leonard Nimoy in the game doing... Um, narration work. Yeah, he's getting a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, I know what that was, but still. Uh, let's see, you had Skaz of Arcadia, which was a great RPG. Jet Set Radio, which is a very fun arcade game. Yes, I love Jet Set. Both of them. Uh, like, a lot of the better games got ported. Yep. But also you got a... Hey, 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 welcome to Crazy Taxi. Crazy Taxi, yep. Space Channel 5. Choo Choo Rocket, which was a weird puzzle game. With online multiplayer support. That was actually one of the first multiplayer games out there. No joke. Or online multiplayer. Had Res. I still want the bodysuit from Res Infinite. I think the weirdest game on on the entire thing that I played where I'm just like, what? 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 <laughs> because, like, and, I, and the reason why I say it's weird, not because, like, oh, my God, it's a Japanese thing. It's so weird. No, it's weird because I'm like, we have no context for this yet. <laughs> Was the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure game. Yep. That came out. I'm like, 
Oh no! Why? <laughs> but yeah, it had a it had a very varied uh, catalog. But like, there was also some really interesting games like Ikaruga, which eventually got ported over to the uh, GameCube. It's a color-coded bullet hell game. To where all the dots were either black or white. If your ship was white, you get hit with a white dot. It didn't hurt. If your ship was black, you got hit with a black dot. It didn't hurt. But if your ship was black, got hit with a white dot, it hurt. And it was hard as shit. Because I remember playing that on the GameCube and breaking controllers. Speaking of breaking controllers, I've never actually broken a controller. I have thrown one once, a long time ago, but it, it still works. And I still have it. it was, For me, that depends on how you define breaking a controller. Okay, from overuse, that doesn't count. Count. I'm talking about rage breaking, where you're just like, throw it and like, oh, I, I broke the stick. Crap. Right. I, I've, I, I've, I've never smashed a controller. But I have done things where you know, where the analog sticks stick start stop working, the rubber comes off the analog sticks. Those oh yeah, from overuse that does not count. That means that you had a that that thing was loved to death, or you just dropped it a lot. Like I have loved three of these to death so far, um, and it's usually like it's always usually either one of the eight like one of the gym buttons, the A, B, X, Y. Or for some reason, the right bumper. Speaking of controllers, I, we... Zaz, why you're down there? <laughs> Just saying. Charging my uh, PS4 controller. As you were you're talking like, about oh it. shit, speaking controllers. Right, speaking, exactly. <laughs> speaking controllers... My 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 PS4 is down there, and the cable's like that big. Oh, <laughs> um, I hate the, the PS4 cables. Memory cards. You remember those, right, Zez? Yeah. The Dreamcast the had the weirdest memory card. Yeah, the VMU in the best way. Inside the um, you stuck it inside the con the controller. Yeah, but it was also like you'd like say with certain games, like oh, I can play a little mini game with this because I have this game. Like yeah, uh, you the could, child yeah, you could stuff. take it with you. Right, you could take it with you and have like uh, your little Tamagotchi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Tamagotchi problem once. I was a child. <laughs> I don't think anything's changed. It was a Tamagotchi or Furby. Pick your poison. My parents bought me a Furby, and fun fact, um. My stepmom used to wake me up in the morning by by yelling downstairs, because I lived downstairs, parents lived upstairs, right? As a split foyer type deal, so technically it wasn't the basement. Not even I'm not that fucking stereotypical. But she'd be like, you know, she, she would yell my middle name. Then my Furby got to the point to where it glitched, and all 
all it would say was my name over and over again at random intervals. Because I'd never play with the damn thing. <laughs> this is like a parrot. And I'm just bop, like, bop. I was like, I, I need to find a butt. I need to find a butter knife to undo the thing. Okay, take the batteries out. Trash. But it's a little black and green thing. The late nineties were weird for toys. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they were just trying stuff. Yeah. Furbies but... are like like the creepiest things ever. Dear God, yeah. I think I'd rather um, have uh, an Annabelle doll. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this game called uh, Tattletale. But it's basically uh, somebody made a video game version of uh, fur like a Furby doll that was Chucky. Mm-hmm. And the game is called Tattletale. <laughs> that, that's a little too true to life. <laughs> like, Zez, you're not allowed to buy that for me or get someone oh, to no, buy I, it for I, me. I, I bought it for one of our other friends, Bob. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that game. to me. They couldn't finish the game. I will scream and just know. <laughs> See, bad idea, Bob. Bad idea. All right. <sighs> no, you don't get it. Like I will legit have nightmares. You're just not allowed. <laughs> Motherfucker, I bought you a keyboard. Don't you dare do that shit to me. <laughs> but, um, honestly, like, I actually I, I like the idea of the VMU, right? Because it made it to where, yes, it's a memory card. Memory cards got lost all the time. Right? But, this makes it to where it has some sort of utility, and that was a nice little add-on. So, yeah, it does have a lot of interesting features as far as, like, the Dreamcast. But honestly, if I was a games developer, I wouldn't want to do business with them at this point. Oh, no. What's to stop them from discontinuing the Dreamcast overnight and going on to the next console? Because they probably... Because if they didn't get burnt by the Saturn, they probably got burnt by the the 32X or the Sega CD or both. So, yeah, so it comes a point that doing business with them becomes a liability because you don't know yeah. what you're going to do. You know, like, and they probably didn't have enough of a market share, so why not go to to, like your PlayStations, or wait for the PS2 to come out, which you probably already got the SDK for. Yeah, the software development kits. That's what developers need to actually make games for your console. You know, Sega was very slow in in uh, releasing those, usually. Yeah, and as far as SDKs, like, they became a thing after Nintendo because it was like, oh, wait, Nintendo had a chokehold to the point to where they actually got hit with uh, antitrust lawsuits because their licensing agreements made it to where you could not make a game for them and someone else, and you were limited on how many games you could make per year for them. Why would you limit how many games they could make? Um, because uh, there was a lot of people making up way too many games for the Atari, and that's what caused the video game crash. 
the market was so flooded that games were getting pushed out before they were even completed. This isn't like today where you could have a patch, Zez. Which I I still don't agree would make... I understand um, limiting. You know, restricting so that it was exclusive to your console. Mm -hmm. But limiting how many they could produce, I don't... You know, that really doesn't make sense to me. It was 10 a year. Per publisher. So EA can't put out, you know... 20 games. But EA like, can't put out FIFA, NHL, NBA, Madden, Mass Effect, uh, Dragon Age. Um, no, but you know how EA would get around that? EA puts out... EA Big would ta- put, put out 10 sports titles. Bioware would put out 10 RPGs. So they would use their... Mm-hmm. Their sub-companies as well? Their subsidiaries. But smaller companies was like, listen, these games don't take that much to make, and we're not making, like, Legend of Zelda over here. We're making hockey, table tennis, pong. The fuck, man? It seemed like a technical loophole, but, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that okay. was, they actually got hit with antitrust law over that. But... Dreamcast had the opposite problem to where people could make as many games as they want. Nobody wanted to make games for them anymore because that wasn't where the market share was. And that's what killed the Dreamcast. Well, it wasn't necessarily the market share. It was just, you know, Sega's so unstable. I mean, they could, we could have spent $2 million developing this game and Sega could say, new console, $2 million. Sorry about that. Who here has been in a bad relationship to where the person you were intimate with was fucking nuts? Show of hands. (laughs) Really, just me, you assholes. Okay. (laughs) So, this is the analogy I... This is a piece of advice that's the only good piece of advice I've ever given any of my siblings when it comes to relationships. Be careful what you ask for when you say, I want an exciting relationship. The... Because... For example, this is a very exciting relationship with Sega. You don't know if the game you're making is going to be like, you know, going to sell sell on a console that is still viable or if they're going to quit making the console the day after you release it. That's exciting. It's also fucking nerve-wracking. And this was a huge case of like you know, it'd be like if I went home every day and I'm like, okay, I got off of work, I did my nine to five, and I didn't know if she's gonna if she's gonna be like, hey, baby, how's it going? I, I just, you know, what? It's like I just got the groceries so you can cook, or hey, baby, how? What the? Where the fuck you been? I've been at work. No, I'm not sleeping around on you. What? The, no, no, no. The woman on my phone's my boss. <laughs> She sounds hideous. That's Hi, my mother. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. To where I'm just like, what the fuck? I heard you tell someone you loved them on the phone. I called my mom. The fuck, woman? You know. And it was that sort of instability towards just like they didn't know what they were going to get out of the business relationship. Towards like, why the fuck would they stick around? I wouldn't. That's That's exactly it. That's why Sega doesn't do does new consoles because it didn't make business sense for them to keep 
keep trying to ride that horse when it's not going anywhere. But their their software production is really good now. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, as long as they're not making so- Sonic games, yeah. No, the Sonic games do really well. Not they as well sell as well because they're Sonic. They don't sell well because they're necessarily good. Their last good Sonic game was with right. them hiring fan people because Sonic Team can't make it. Right. I, I, I never said the Sonic game was good. I just said they do well. Okay. I was just that, making sure. You know. <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck? And here's the thing. I love Sonic. I do. I really, really, really do. Mm-hmm. But Sonic episode, but Sonic Four episode one and two shouldn't have been a thing. This should have been Sonic. Uh, it should have been a game. It's, it should have been released as a whole game, not just. The... Well, it's not just that. It's just like the entire homing attack idea does not work on a two D Sonic because it causes problems with control. And also for Sonic Four, the physics were were weird for anybody who'd grown up with the the other two D Sonics. It was slippery in the worst way. And it was hard to get Sonic to go where you wanted him to go. But yeah, it's like, yeah, they still make uh, games. They still license out Sonic to be in good or at least, at the very least, decent games. Because even the shovelware titles he was in, like um, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, like that entire series... For a shovelware title, it wasn't awful. It was weird, but it wasn't awful. It just shows that Sega still has still has their creativity. You know that the Dreamcast ads, like we just mentioned with the the VMU. You know, it's it's a very they have some very creative ideas. Yeah. Now it doesn't it doesn't mean necessarily good. See. <laughs> um, Sonic Unleashed, but they just, don't, you, don't you want Sonic to be a, were, a, a werewolf, a were, a werehog? Honestly, that, if you totally took the werehog levels out of it, Sonic Unleashed is not that bad. That's the sad part. No, but the, isn't that what you want from Sonic? Can to be a, no, a, a werehog? No, really. I don't feel like having <laughs> I God of War. Com- I don't feel I like having everybody... God of War combat sections in my Sonic the Hedgehog game. I thought everybody wanted uh, Sonic to be a uh, a, a, a werehog. What what Ziploc wants <laughs> is he wants Sonic to have big glasses and basically be a be a nerd, you know, and say, "Did I do that?" <laughs> That's oh, no goodness. good. <laughs> Sonic says. <laughs> That's the bottom line because Sonic said so. You remember the cartoon, like, after the things that had Sonic Says? Yeah. The little PSAs? I remember those. But... I also remember remember Sonic had two cartoons on at the same time. Yeah, and one just got... And and they were both called Sonic the Hedgehog. And and was really confusing to get it. You have to remember, it was like, now we call one Sonic Set AM and the other one Sonic the Hedgehog. But I like the dark uh, and greedier one that had two seasons. Well, I remember there was one that was just Sonic Tales at Robotnik, as he was known back then, and it's still his name. Thank you very much. Yep. And his um, name is his Ivo Robotnik. Damn it. And the other, and the other one was 
like Sonic and Friends. Yeah, yeah, like Amy Knuckles and yeah, that was um, yeah, that was done post um adventure. Yeah, you had well, no, you didn't have Amy. You had this female fox princess chick. Remember that at all? Is like is set in Mobius. I do remember that much. But like it had um, a more darker anime-esque storyline. When I say anime-esque, I mean like Naruto levels of dark. Not like Berserk levels of dark. We're not seeing like poor woodland creatures being eviscerated by a giant fucking sword here. But for the show, that's pretty much it. It all we have left is the giveaway. So, Rad, pick somebody that's been talking in the chat. I know it's a huge list this week. <laughs> well, it's really between ADR Yako and Gatherbot. Uh, <laughs> I can't give him a sub. So, yeah. Um, I don't care about Skynet. So, ADR Yako, you're it. You're, you're a special gift sub for this episode. Well, I'll take care of that while you take about five minutes to tell the lovely people out there who you are. I am Rad Hazard. Don't forget the one because there is only one Rad Hazard. And, well, I, I <laughs> ways, but just go with it. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like it's wrong. And. It is. It has been a pleasure sitting alongside Ziploc Bob and and Zez. Sorry, there, there's a couple people I know whose names start with Z. So you're like, wait, which pick. one? Oh, don't worry, I called Zez Z and Z Zez all the time. Mm-hmm. He did it I, on last week's show. Yeah. <laughs> when I wasn't here. I'm like, God bless it. And hey, it actually worked quickly this time, and it didn't glitch out, so I didn't have to yell at Stuffy Hood saying, "Hey." Fix this! They're not Stuffy Hooves. Stuff a lot. Stuffy Hooves is the guy that did my um, artwork. But yeah, if you like, you know, somebody who is a great chill streamer and a pretty awesome dude that will carry his half of the conversation, head over to twitch.tv slash... Radhazard1. And then you can also yell at him on Twitter at one Radhazard over on Twitter. I'm ZiplockBob. You can find me at twitch.tv slash ZiplockBob. AKA you, the channel you're watching currently. But if you're watching this in the future, up on YouTube, because this does go live two weeks from its initial recording, you can find me there. You can find me at uh, Twitch or Twitter at ZiplockBob. You can find Zez at twitch.tv slash the underscore Zez. And holy crap, this guy plays a lot of Zez by Daylight. I mean Dead by Zez Light. I mean Dead by Daylight. (laughs) (laughs) I don't play it anywhere near as much as I used to. Yeah, there was a time where like it, like if you guys use Discord, it has a feature where it says username now playing game title. It was always now playing Dead by Daylight. Even when we he was watching other streams, like 
like say watching me stream or like our friend Mouse or Z stream, it would still be saying that shit because he could not get off. He was addicted. I I play games on watching streams all the time. No, I'm just saying it was that <laughs> one game to where it's just like user has two thousand nine hundred and seventy six hours playing. Not accurate. <laughs> not accurate. I can actually tell you how many hours I have in it. Oh please. I, I know it's, it's way over 100. I believe it's 1,100. Jesus, fuck! Yes, it's exactly 1,100 hours. <laughs> My point is proven! However, if you you guys can catch this on twitch.tv slash bottlerocketgaming, you can catch Zez on Wednesdays on twitch.tv slash bottlerocketgaming, and you can even catch Red on Tuesdays? At twitch.tv yes, slash gaming. And if there are links down below for where to find MP3 versions of this podcast, both in iTunes and non-iTunes forms, I'll, I've been Ziploc Bob. I will see you guys next time.